Um, we're, on, we're on this, starting last week and each week now till Easter, on this path to the cross. And so I'm inviting uh, you here each, each Sunday to consider uh, some scriptures and a prayer that we present to you. And then on Good Friday, we'll be giving you those same scriptures and those same prayers in a pamphlet. And we'll have prayer stations set up throughout the building here for you to uh, take some personal time with God uh, with visual aids and the, and, the, and the workbook there to meditate through the scriptures and uh, pray those things that we're introducing each Sunday on our path to the cross. And so uh, we want to do that now today. And the first scripture reading is on a video again. And then uh, I believe Catherine has the second scripture and the prayer. And so let's begin with the first one. 1034-39 Do you not think I have come to bring peace to the earth? I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Matthew twelve forty six to 50. As Jesus was speaking to the crowd, his mother and brother stood outside asking to speak with him. Someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they want to speak with you. Jesus asked, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he pointed to his disciples and said, look, these are my mother and brothers. And anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Let's pray. God in heaven, who has come to earth in your Son, Jesus Christ, I understand the necessity of putting you first before all things, even family. I can see that you had to give up your family and their expectations for a time in order to go about your Father's business. I pray that I would never be one of those who distracts, from my, who distracts my family from being wholly devoted to you. I confess that I am not like you. I often bow to family pressures, even when I know it would be better for them and me if I always put you first. Teach me to be more like Jesus. Amen. You know, last week when we considered the fact that Jesus gave up glory in order to come here, uh, a sacrifice for him, I'll admit, as I expect you would too, that, that I can't relate to that. Uh, I can appreciate it. I can be very thankful to God for, for, for doing that, for, for that Jesus would leave the glory of heaven, as Philippians tells us, uh, thinking equality with God not something to be grasped, but rather to come and, and be like us, uh, a huge sacrifice on his part. Uh, but I can't relate to that. I, I have no memory of glory. I, I have the full and assured hope of glory that one day I will know what glory is like and understand that better. 
But but that's that's kind of a, a an area where I can be grateful to Jesus and be filled with thanksgiving, but not necessarily understanding. But here, when Jesus chose the path to the cross, when his family t- tried to distract him from it and take him a different way, uh, that I can relate to. Uh, that is, I will admit, uh, reading through the Gospels, maybe you've done this, and coming to these passages and reading really quickly through and getting on to other things that I'd rather pay attention to. Very, very difficult teaching. Uh, very difficult as... as uh, Derek so, so ably in, uh, instructed us in the, the struggles that that brings to us in our families. But I want to uh, talk about something this morning, not specifically about that, but this, this whole path to the cross where we, we follow Jesus as he gives up more and more and more until finally he gives up even his own life. And I want to talk about something related to that I believe every one of you knows. You you know the truth of this. Maybe you don't think about it often. Maybe you don't recognize it. But I think you already know. I think, well honestly, I think everybody knows. Though, Though many are not willing to admit or to accept the truth. Now... We're always in the Bible on Sunday morning, so I thought I'd use some other references uh, to, to illustrate or to, to think about this truth. So the first reference is a story that some of you might be familiar with. Uh, I imagine some of you have probably watched every episode of The Big Bang Theory, and some of you have maybe watched an episode or two. And maybe there's someone here who's never seen it, and that's okay. I think you'll catch on to what I'm talking about as I... As I go through it, but, but I, I don't think it's such a pre- prevalent and popular show that, that probably at least just about everyone has some understanding here. So the story is, you know, there's an there's a interesting thing to think about. These are the kind of things I think about. I don't know if you do, but, but I think about stuff like this. Why is it that I'll turn on the TV and watch a stupid show like this over and over and over again? doesn't necessarily match up with my values, Um, it's the same exact plot every week. Different details, but the same exact plot. What's the attraction? What is it about something like this that, that causes us to come back? And I think it's because it reveals a truth that we know. So let's set it up. On the one side, you have Sheldon. Now, Sheldon is the absolute unbending rationality. He will not bend. It's rational. It has to make sense. It has to follow the logic and the science, and there's no other option. Everyone else has to bend to him. He always gets his way. On the other side, on the other extreme, we have Raj, the ever-bending Lacking any backbone, Raj, who who bends to everyone's desires and everyone's wills and never gets his own way. And we have these two extremes. And and when, when the story rubs up against either side, if you're human, I think, if you're if you're engaged in the story, you have a, a bodily reaction. It's so strong. When when Sheldon just unreasonably sticks to his his rationality. I feel my body physically tense up on the couch. It's repulsive. When Raj 
once again just bows to the desires of the others and, and just doesn't have any opinion of his own, I feel myself slumping, depressed in the couch, like physically it affects me. It's wrong. I, I don't like it. Those are the extremes, and they set up the boundaries. In between, the story bounces around. And it's the same story every week. Leonard and Penny, we know from the first episode they're going to get together. It takes a long time, but we know that's going to happen. And they get just a little bit closer every week, and this is how it happens. Leonard is almost like Sheldon. He's very rational. He's a scientist. He's, he's unbending in a way. He doesn't want to give up reason and, and go by something emotional. He's not fully capable of love. And every episode, something happens where he has to give up something of value to him, to his rational values, and behave a little bit, just a tiny bit, in an emotional, an irrational, uh, an instinctual way. And it's a struggle. And Penny, she, she's not like Raj in terms of, of never getting her way or having no backbone, but she's, she's completely ruled by passions and emotion and instinct. Rationality doesn't enter into her decision-making processes. But every week, there's something she has to do, something she realizes that, that, that she, she maybe should, should put aside that emotional instinct and actually make a rational decision, and her life might be a little bit better. But she has to give up something she values to do that. And so every episode has that pattern, and when we watch them do that, we, we instinctually know it's touching on a truth. For the two of them to ever love each other, they have to give up a lot of who they are. And they have to move. And it's a little death every time. It's a little bit of death. They have to die to something that they hold dear. Maybe it's just a stupid comic book or something, but they have to die to something. They have to sacrifice something in order to become a little bit more in the middle, to gain something, in order to be a little bit more capable of actually loving Neither of them are capable of love because one's way over here, one's way over here, and they have to give up a little bit of that to come to the place where they can love each other. And then when they finally get together, the, season, the seasons keep going, but we all stop watching because it's not interesting anymore. It's not interesting anymore because it's not true anymore. Because the way in which God has shaped reality is true. And truth says that the way of love is the way of giving, the way of sacrifice. And the lie, the lie that, that we are told, the lie that we believe is that, that you are perfect and you can blame your problems on everybody else. You don't have to sacrifice anything. You don't have to give up anything. You can have your way. But when we run up at that in the story, whether it's Sheldon or whether it's Raj on the two extremes, it, it physically bothers us. Because in our soul, we know it's not true. That's a lie. And when we blame the other, when we say, when, when we say I don't have to change, I don't have to give up anything, I don't have to die, but it's the other person's fault, 
Well, the, the other person that I blame it on can blame it on the next, on the next. And ultimately, we're all, just if you look all the way back to the beginning in Genesis, we're blaming God. We're blaming God for the suffering we experience. And the reason we are is because we're not living according to the truth. We'll get into that. There's another story that I think you all know that uh, illustrates this maybe even more clearly. If I asked you to name the top ten Christmas movies, this one would come up. That's right, Die Hard. Over and over again, every Christmas, it's on the TV, it's on the Netflix, it comes up again and again, and, and, and we all, well, maybe not all of us, but most of us watch it again. There, there's people that have every single line memorized, and yet comes around Christmas, they'll watch it again. It's an extreme story, and it goes like this. You all know it. Uh, at least I suspect you do. How many times does the Bruce Willis character die? I mean, as the audience, we know he doesn't die, but everyone in the movie thinks he dies. It's quite a few times. I didn't count. Some of you maybe know, have watched it enough times. Um, <clears throat> but he's clearly willing to give up everything, to sacrifice everything. He'll sacrifice his career. He'll sacrifice his reputation. He'll sacrifice his comfort. He'll sacrifice his life. And why? Well, yeah, there's duty. There's his sense of justice. But we all know the reason. He'll sacrifice all of that for the love of a woman who has rejected him. Have you ever heard a story like that before? Of a being who's described as a bridegroom, who loves his bride, which is the people of God, and his bride rejects him again and again and again, and yet he continues to give and continues to love and continues to sacrifice and considers the, the glory of heaven something not to be grasped but gives it all up in order to come and be among and near his bride. And then he gives up his family and then next week we'll see he gives up uh, the, the pleasures and accolades of this world and then he gives up his even his own life in order that he could show his love to his bride. It's the same story. Now the, the cultural stories tell it imperfectly. They, they never get it all right and it's never, it's never pure enough. It's, it's, not, it's not the truth, but it is true. And I would posit to you this. You're not interested in stories that don't have, hold this truth. You're just not. Nobody is. I mean, we could, we could turn anywhere. We could go on uh, till, till you all just get up and leave because you're too hungry. We could go on telling the stories. But it doesn't matter if you look at, at a story like Hansel and Gretel and the fairy tales. Uh, Hansel and Gretel, I don't have time to get into, but it's a fascinating study on the attractions of the pleasures of this world and the requirement of sacrifice and death to restore reality back to its true uh, boundaries and, and that kind of thing. It's fascinating. And, and you could look at any of the romantic comedies. They're the same story over and over and over again. 
the story that tells us of two people. Maybe one loves the other and the other one doesn't realize, or maybe they both don't realize, but we can see as they get closer and closer together. And finally, there's that light bulb moment when, oh, we love each other, we belong together, but it's always the same. There's something in the story then that completely rips them apart. The career takes them across the country, or family rejects the the other person that they love, or whatever it is, it's always the same. And then the story resolves itself when the person says, no, I'm going to sacrifice my career on the other side of the country. I'm going to sacrifice my family's expectations or whatever it is. I'm going to completely die to that in order to say yes to the love. Sacrifice. It's the true story of reality. It's the pattern of reality. It's the way the world has been put together. Why? Well, because that's what God's like. Our our, our insistence on the doctrine, the belief, the understanding that we can't quite understand of the Trinity says that for all eternity past, the, the one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, has been fully giving themselves to one another in love. And that's possible, and it doesn't lead to death because as, as, the, as the son empties himself in, the, in his love for the father, the, the father fills the son up with his love. When there's a complete reciprocation in that sacrifice, it doesn't lead to death. It leads to life, it leads to peace, it leads to joy, it leads to fullness and satisfaction and meaning. And then into that eternal reality, God created the earth. And he created the first man and the first woman. And they were in that relationship where they could fully love one another, man and woman, God and man, and and all together without death. Because none of them were stopping the giving and receiving in such a way to say, I'm just going to take for myself. And then the lie entered. And they fell to the lie. And the lie said, There's limited resources. So you better take some for yourself and not give back. Taking, receiving without sacrifice. That breaks the cycle of love and brings death into the world. Now, of course, I've oversimplified it because I'm just getting at one side, one point of the story. But I think you understand what I'm talking about. In the future, there will be another time when Jesus returns and restores all things. In the creation, the the Bible tells us the the very rocks and trees and animals and birds and fish are all groaning with expectation for a day when this destruction of death will end and love can be fully realized again. The cycle of giving completely to the other, sacrificing everything for the other, and then receiving completely and giving in that eternal circle of filling up and emptying out. The Bible tells us that God is love. And that's what love is. And so we take ourselves on the path to the cross. It's not a side trip. It's a journey of putting things back to right. It's a journey of putting things back to the way they truly are. 
It's a journey of, of gradually, just like, like Penny and, and, and Leonard in that story, of sacrificing bits and bits as we go down the path until things are back in alignment. That's where we find peace. That's where we find joy. That's where the struggle finally stops. Sacrifice is not something that inadvertently surprised God and came into the world because of sin. Sacrifice is necessary for love. And God is love. God has always and forever been giving. And God has always and forever been receiving. And Jesus shows us the way to enter that reality together with God. You know, I, I could have used Bible stories to illustrate all of these points. But I thought maybe we needed to be reminded that this isn't just a biblical truth. This is the truth of the world. And we all know it. We all know it. We don't want to admit it because we're selfish. We want to take. But we all know it. The next time your friend says to you, how could you believe that bizarre story? Ask them, what's your favorite TV show? What's your favorite movie? I can almost guarantee you'll be able to point out to them at the center of that story that you love is this story. There is no love without sacrifice. It does not exist. And I don't want to live in a world without love. Therefore, I don't want to live in a world without sacrifice. They're the same thing. When done right, we could go on for, for hours in the Bible about when sacrifice is done incorrectly, is done wrongly, but that's called idolatry. But when done right, it leads to truth because it is the truth. I don't want you to just take my word for it, but, but just listen. This is real love, First John 4. So this is important because God's going to define for us the thing that we hold most dear. Love. What is love? Well, this is it. Here's the definition. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. What is love, you ask? God says love is sacrifice. This is love. He sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us in this way, this much, we surely ought to be like him. We surely ought to love each other. We surely ought to follow the path to the cross because that's what love is. Everything else is a counterfeit. But this is love. No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love is brought to full expression in us. We could... We could bring up a lot of different things, but let's just stick with the family theme. Why does the Bible tell children to obey their parents? 
Is it because God wants children to be miserable? No. It's because when a child gives up his own will or her own will and instead does the parent's will, that's called love. That's what love looks like. Sacrifice. Giving up what is precious to me for the sake of the other. If you're a child, that means obey your parents. That's how you love them. That's how you make love, the love of God real in the world. That's how you make it manifest. That's how you bring truth into the world instead of the lie. Why does the Bible say, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church? Which we just read in 1 John. You know how Christ loved this church? By sacrificing his own life. Why does God say husbands love your wives like this? Even if it kills you. Because that's what love is. Anything else is a counterfeit. Anything else is a, is a buy into the lie that says you can take. That you can, you can try to fill yourself up instead of empty yourself out and somehow find love in that way. But it'll never happen. Why does the Bible say to wives, submit to your husband and be reverent to him? Because he wants you to be miserable? No, because that's what love looks like. That's the... That, that's not just what love like, looks like. That's the very structure of the world, the way God created it. It's the deepest truth. It's the truth. It's not a deviation. Oh, we have to do this now till Jesus comes back. No. We will do it perfectly when Jesus comes back. Now we know in part. Now we can do this partially and we, we can get a little taste of what love tastes like. Because we never do it perfectly. We're always mixed. But then we will be able to give everything all the time. And there will be a perfect reciprocation as the other gives to us in perfect love and fills us up where we've emptied ourselves out just like God does. Jesus gave everything and how, why did he rise from the dead? And is now in glory because God filled him back up. Where he gave his life, God filled him with life. He loved completely until it took his life. But because God is love, he was filled right back up. And there was no death. That's how death is defeated, by love. That's how God made the world. And just pay attention to the stories that we watch. I know why we watch Big Bang Theory over and over and over again, even though it's the same story every week. Because it touches on a truth that we long for. Imperfectly, yes. But it touches on a truth that every person somewhere in their soul knows is true. In order to love, I have to give something up. I have to die a little bit. It's the only way. Let's read another verse in closing. Colossians chapter 1. Maybe this will make sense to you now if it never did before. 
But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you receive. Now, now that, that's important, isn't it? He's telling us there is a truth. There is a truth about the world. But you need to be reminded of it. We, we have a tendency to drift away from the truth. But you must continue to believe. Don't stop believing the truth. I know you're going to be drifting away, but, but remind yourself, stand firm. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. See, that's what we're not to drift away from. What's the good news? If we were to say it in one sentence, just look at the highlight. He loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. That's the truth. That's the good news. God is love and God is sacrifice. It's the same thing. That's the truth. Okay? That's the good news. Do not drift away from the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. And here's the punchline. I'm glad when I suffer for you in my body. He's making sure we understand this isn't just about like some philosophical suffering that we kind of intellectually agree with. No, my actual physical body hurts. That makes me glad, Paul says. Why? For when I do this, I am participating in the suffering of Christ that continues for his body, the church. I'm a participant in the very nature of love, in the very nature of God, when I suffer in my body for you. See, I, I drift. I'll admit, I, I'll, I'll stand here and admit, I drift away from that. Oh, you just asked my wife, my complaining about this church. I drift. But by God's grace, I come back to the truth. Come back to the truth and gladly suffer. Such, such insignificant sufferings God has asked of me so far. But he's asked some of us a lot more. This is how we transform the death that we will all face from a tragedy into a glory. When we choose to die for him, for love, then we can die physically in our body and people look and say, that was, that was a blessing. We turn the evil of this world, the lie of this world, that causes death into a glory. When we voluntarily bend our knees and do it for the sake of others, for the love of others. It's a big ask. It's a big topic, but it, it's, it's a revelation of the truth. Can you see now how this verse tells us what's true? Oh, how we love the lie that says we can avoid suffering and still love. But freedom does not lie down that path. How many have given their life to career, 
to fame, whether they've reached it or not. And along the way said, you know, I, I, you know, I, I know I should be home with my kids, but you know, if, I, if I take this promotion and go away, and they die alone. They die alone, unsatisfied, depressed, sad. But how, how glorious when you see, when you see, as I have so many times, palliative care unit filled beyond capacity with people and food and jokes and laughter and tears. Because you know the one dying has loved well. You know the one dying has sacrificed much in order to have such a glorious group of people around who love them. And then it's not so hard. It's just a continuation of what has been the characteristic of their life. And then that person says with, with Paul, I'm glad when I suffer for you in my body. For I am participating in the sufferings of Christ. I'm, I'm with Christ. I'm, I'm bringing the truth of reality into existence in this world. I'm combating the lie. And I'm revealing the truth in my life as I suffer in my body for my brother and sis, brothers and sisters. I'm, I'm filling up. I'm finishing up. I'm continuing the work of Christ as he reveals to us what love is through the gospel, which is the good news, that he came and he died and he did not turn from the path that leads to God. Derek, could you come and close our service? I'm going to pray to end our service today. Lord, we pray that we would know the truth, that your love is much more than even that of our families. Our families are a blessing, yet they cannot save us. And we thank you, Lord, that sacrifice for you was love for us. Your willingness to sacrifice was a gift to us and will bring us into your family. Lord, help us in our sufferings and sacrifice to our families and to others to do it with love. Lord, sacrifice is hard for us and we want to take for ourselves. Help us to love as you do in sacrifice and in love. Thank you, Jesus, for you are worthy sacrifice. We love you. Amen. You're dismissed. <laughs>